All right, good morning. It is Friday, April 28th, and we've got one weekend left in the month to go. Hey, we're talking OEM open source collab, rewiring the school bus and Bed Bath and Beyond. Yes. <laughs> you like the little, the little loop question mark at the end. A weekend close again. Ugh. It's like it's close. it's been a thing a few times this year, and we're gonna see it a it few like, more times. It's nuts. I know it. Wait it's a minute, like, are we a Sunday close? This Sunday week? close, which is interesting. Oh, so we'll have like half the like country a, on, half the country a off. Close and half the country <laughs> on a Sunday close. It's very. Man, it's, it's awesome. You know, our friend uh, Patrick Abad at Beaver Toyota recently decided to close on Sundays. I mean, it was like what two months ago. Yeah, he's my Chick Fil A. <laughs> he is my. <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and they're, they're still crushing it without the Sunday. So don't don't tell you somebody yeah, you can't do it. You can do it. it. You can do it. But hey, everybody's <laughs> got their own thing. You got your own markets. You know, every everything looks different. Uh, hey, we got to run real fast because we're going to be in all things used cars here in just a minute. Um, talking about the and we're going to be in Tampa on Tuesday. And we're going to be in Tampa on Tuesday. <laughs> and then the next week we're going to be in Chicago. And then the next week we're going to be in Vegas. In Las and Vegas then, and Indianapolis. And, and then Vegas. we're and then we're going to do uh, the, the VCon <laughs> in Indianapolis. And then right on the heels of that, we're basically going to be in Atlanta doing the live tonight show. And then it's just going to oh all of a sudden God. be a SoduCon. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, yesterday we spent a lot of time working on uh, keynote speakers yeah. for SodaCon, and boy, we're hoping we can announce some real bangers uh, really, really soon. Uh, you can go to a SodaCon do that. But first, we want you to be with us on Tuesday night in Tampa for the premiere of our show, More Than Cars. Gotta be there. Uh, I'm so excited to share with people. But, you know, we got to be in all things used cars. Well, look, if you're going to Digital Dealer, keep that graphic up. If you're going to Digital Dealer, Please join us Tuesday night in Tampa at the Tampa Theater. You can go to a so2x.com and get tickets. Uh, we're going to have swag and a red carpet and concessions and drinks and happy hour and a live DJ and all the fun stuff. So I hope you can join us then. But we need to talk about some news. So let's talk about some let's news. Let's get into it. Uh, so yesterday we were all up on GM. So today we're going to like take another angle on GM. <laughs> They're taking it. Well, this is this is kind of like yeah. a little bit of texture to yesterday's story. This is good. Talking about them, you know, obviously doubling down on not having CarPlay. But there's a whole bunch of structure that comes underneath, like CarPlay is like the top layer user interface, but all the tech that's required to build yep. uh, successful EV platforms and software platforms, uh, it's better together, I guess. GM's taking another step toward a software-defined uh, development vehicle future by joining the Eclipse Foundation, which is a global association promoting open source software. I love that. GM aims to facilitate industry-wide standardization for building and connecting applications that basically connect vehicles to the cloud and to other mobile devices. And they are contributing to this program, their proprietary U protocol. So technology, hey. U, the letter U. So they're going come to the table and saying, we're willing to put this stuff that we worked on into the open source program so that we can help the whole industry move forward. We're big fans of that. That's uh, great. Fra Frank Ganesha, uh, GM's chief architect of software defined vehicles says a standard software foundation is to simplify and ex expedite development across the board. He said, rather than reinvest or try to apply the traditional automotive model that's been successful um, for hardware-driven features, we're going to try to apply a new one to software development. Yes. And uh, so the cool, like for this article, I was like, I looked up like where other automakers have in the past worked together to be successful. Toyota and Subaru, we know, developed the BRZ um, Ford and Volkswagen. You know, back when EV was like, well, no one's thinking about no that. They were actually that. working together to share information on tech. Um, way back, um, you know, BMW and Toyota actually started working on hydrogen fuel cells, lighter building materials together. 
And this is the best quote ever. Maybe not ever. Maybe not ever. But Henry Ford. It's a great quote. Coming back swinging. And he said, coming together is a beginning. Staying together is progress. And working together is success. I feel like that's going to find its way to like a sticker or a shirt or something like that. Because that's just native to to speak in our language, old Henry Ford. Here's here's what's interesting is is I love the way that that the conversation is going uh, with GM and with their technology partners that I'm creating an open source, you know, base level agreement on how software is going to be integrated into vehicles actually helps things move more seamlessly. So when you think about just like other industries that have done this, um, you know, Bluetooth is like a software standard that allows a lot of people to build layers on top of a core technology. Um, you know, the, the, we talked uh, probably six months ago about some of the things that uh, like home smart home services are doing to build a core technology. We there there is like the star standards for automotive retail that are working on API and data cleansing standards for the retail side of the deal. So I can see where if OEMs lean into an open sourced data layer and software um, standard, what's going to happen is you're going to be able to pick up where you left off in vehicles a lot easier. And some of those technologies will be able to transfer and transition into in different infotainment systems or even recognizing patterns. Um, it, it's a I'm move that like servicing yeah. these vehicles. Like you right. think of like right to repair and all that. You have to believe like, broad scale collaboration is going to make that a lot simpler and easier as well. Yeah. Well, we talked about even just from a hardware perspective, the, um, you know, the, the EV plugs, you know, not being standard as, as, as opposed to if you put gas in your car, you're all going to the same gas pump, you know? And so I, you know, it's easier to make that move, I think on the software side, because there's already a a standard in other verticals to say, this is the way that software should be developed. Yep, it's good. Hey, so there you go, GM. Kudos to you after being a little bit, little tough love yesterday. Uh, Give me credit where credit well, is yeah. due today. We'll lift you back up. We'll lift you so back up. So if you up. happen to send yesterday's episode to Mary Barr, make sure you send this one too. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh man. right. No, no segue. No segue on this no one. Segue. We'll just stop right there. You go. Okay. There you go. This is the fun thing because just about everyone has had an experience with the big yellow school bus. Yes. Even if you've never ridden them, you've definitely been stuck behind them. So a new partnership uh, in Prince Edward Island in uh, Quebec, Canada, will leverage EV technology in school buses, the big yellow buses, to provide emergency power. Quebec-based Line Electric is a Canadian-based electric medium and heavy-duty fleet manufacturer that produces the nostalgic North American yellow school bus last year. So they're turning these things into electric, but it's not just to make them electric. They're thinking really holistically about the application. So last year, uh, the tail end of Hurricane Fiona hit Prince Edward Island and like knocked out power for several days. They were putting people in uh, what they were calling warming centers, mm-hmm. uh, to give them food and shelter and warmth and all that. And they were powering these with these diesel generators. Somebody actually died during that because of carbon monoxide poisoning while they were trying to like fill the generator and all that stuff. Wow. But here's the deal. They're saying these electric buses, two of these buses would be able to power the warming center for three days. Just hey, two of them. They ordered go. 200 of these buses. Um, actually, 82 of them will be in service by next year. Um, so, and just to give you an example of how big the battery is in these, it is, a, it's Dino a monster. Normal. So yeah. uh, Ford model three has a 57 kilowatt hour battery and F-150 lightning has a, a much bigger battery, 130 kilowatt hours. These suckers got 210 kilowatt hours in these buses. They're going to so be, I, yeah. 
They're not going to, it's definitely not going to take 15 minutes to charge, but most, most buses actually <laughs> are running on diesel. So they're sitting on plugs overnight anyway. Um, and so really th there's point. already Especially like in Canada. Yeah. There's already a, uh, a, a way that these vehicles get to a place where you plug them in, right? That's yeah. so that's that's natural to Line the flow. Up, plug them in, yeah. and you just think about like how many more things are just rolling batteries, right? batteries on wheels, things that we can get places, other things to provide electricity for other sources. We've already seen the lightning become a source during like heavy heavy wind storms or tornadoes for power, yeah. and so it's a logical next step. And I love that. Uh, I love that the scale, the, the school bus being the thing that's doing it is just like powering the world. You know, it's like coming from the education transportation, uh, you know, just uh, think landscape. Of it's so cool. the rejoicing going on in the doomsday prepper communities today where they can buy a bus with a week long battery supply for themselves <laughs> and bury it in Las Vegas. Somewhere. It's so smart. Uh, it's speaking so of being buried. I was going to go a little bit more positive with the repurposing well, thing, but you just went straight to a, buried. Hey, one company's yeah, loss is other is often another's opportunity. You know, Bed Bath & Beyond, a lot of people have seen going through bankruptcy, closing down all their stores. Um, and uh, it opens the opportunity for a big retail land grab. Uh, so basically, a 500 potential retail spaces have been opened up because of these uh, closures. Uh putting these off mall locations as new places where uh, things like doctor's offices or other retail uh, places like off price retailers or any traditional mall players that are looking to get out of the mall game could easily walk into and be in a retail space that's retail ready. Um, uh, Deborah Weinzeig, CEO of retail of uh, Coresight Research, which is a retail industry or a real estate industry kind of insight space, uh, says, I'm not worried at this point because the fact that you have had this tremendous change in terms of demand for physical spaces, which we've been talking about a lot. So there's going to be a lot of people kind of like raising their hand for these physical spaces, I think. Just think about if we would have heard ourselves say that like two and a half years ago. No, everyone would have been like, nobody's going back to physical spaces. Retail apocalypse. Brick and mortar's dead. Yeah. <laughs> The human race comes up with a win, I think. Uh, I think so. <laughs> like, we want to come back to spaces. You know, just oftentimes, right, one thing shifts. It provides an opportunity for other industries. And you see, like uh, they mentioned, Walgreens and CVS moving into more of these personal medical care, acquiring these big medical care companies. And every bed, bath, and beyond you can think of is in uh, a pretty convenient location that's already trafficked. It's already surrounded by the other things consumers usually do, whether it's shopping or food. And so uh, these are just massive, like 30,000 foot open spaces, like really easy to build out. And hey, hey Paul, let me ask you something. Yeah. If you had a retail parts operation and a used car operation that could potentially <laughs> allow people to purchase from anywhere and a new car operation that wanted to be closer to where the people are. Might you think about researching some Bed Bath & Beyond real well, estate? I mean, there are a couple things that would really be working against us. Like there's ample parking, easy access. You could put a bay door <laughs> in the side of these buildings really easily. And if you're only selling EVs, you don't even have to worry about emissions and EPA. You could pull them right inside. I never thought about that. Never, never question. crossed your mind. <laughs> I do have one question. <laughs> and this is the most important question. 
will my 20% off coupon still work in whatever goes into that building? No, but it might get you a, a McDonald's fry or something like that. You could walk in and be like, this used to be worth $20. Can I get some fries? Uh, <laughs> it's not happening. It's not no, happening. Oh, man. Hey, that's all we got time for today. If you're thinking about getting some land, check out Bed Bath & Beyond. Otherwise, it's the end of the month. The energy's up. Let's go get after it. Mm.